Friends, welcome to Everybody Speaks Music. I'm Mojo Kemp, and I'm, of course, along here with Chris Schultz. Chris, episode 95, we are getting so close to that magical 100 number. We are sure getting close, and we are going to keep things rolling with yet another variation on our format. Today, listeners, we're going to try to simulate what happens in an actual lesson uh, Mojo's been doing some great work in the teaching studio, and uh, I won't give away the question here, but we were talking about how many times this one specific topic comes up in guitar lessons, and I'm sure it happens a lot in piano lessons as well. And our hope is that, listeners, you'll get to peek into the lesson world. Hopefully this will help you with your own playing, and this is primarily aimed at beginner to intermediate level musicians Mojo, why don't you tell our listeners about the question that came up at the end of your last lesson? There we were, Chris. We were having a a great lesson. We ended off playing some song, having a little bit of fun. But I noticed that my student was having a hard time singing the song that she wanted to play. And I told her, I said, well, you know, we just have to adjust the key so it suits better for your voice. And the question she asked me which caught me off guard. I wasn't ready for it. And thankfully, it was the end of the lesson. And I said, well, I'll come back to that question next lesson. But she said to me at the end there, what's a key? And I like I can explain it, but I'm not sure I could explain it in under an hour, you know. So my question to you then, as my teacher teacher if I when I get that question next week, how am I going to answer what is a key? It's such I don't even know where it, to begin. It's such a broad, massive topic, and anyone who's tried to explain this knows that it sounds so simple when you start talking, and an hour later you have twisted your student into knots, and they're just looking frustrated. So, listeners, how many of you have had this question in your life? What is a key? Or I understand what a key is, but how do I use it? Why are my teachers always bringing up in the lessons? And I hope in this short episode today that we can shed some light on the topic of keys, how they help us as musicians. So Mojo, shall we get started? Uh, You've asked me a very logical question. What is a key? I'm looking at the clock as a teacher. And I first thought is, how much time do we have? Because depending on the length of time we have with with the student, we might have to keep things very brief. So let's start with the most brief answer you can give as the door is shutting. You've got about a minute or two. You say, well, we'll get into this as the lessons go along, but essentially a key is organized sound and pretty much everything that we listen to on the radio, anything that's ever been considered a popular song is based on this concept of of a key. It's a script, so to speak. It's how music, how melodies and chords work together in a way that is familiar to our ears. Doesn't that sound exciting, Mojo? It does. It does. But like, where do you... I I guess that's the beginning of it, isn't it? That's the beginning of the explanation. Well, I'll try to avoid getting too technical because audio-only formats are really tricky when it gets into music theory. What I will say is that here's a couple basic starting points for someone who might not know anything about music. Music uses the letters A through G. Okay, now there's these little symbols called sharps and flats. And when those are added to the letters A to G, we get a total of 12 notes in music. Or you could simplify and say that all the Western music that we're used to hearing, whether it's classical or popular, is based on simply 12 notes. Sounds pretty straightforward. What keys do is they organize groups of those 12 notes into teams, 
that sound familiar to our ear. So let's take a really famous song like Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison. It's actually in the key of G. So the first chord you're going to hear is G, which sounds like this. And we're going to just give that the number one. Okay. Now the song Brown Eyed Girl, most people recognize it as I start playing it on the guitar. sounds like this. G, C, G, D. And what that is, is a one, four, one, five. Now that's going to lose a lot of our listeners. So let's break that down. If the first chord in the key is of G is G, we're going to call that number one. Now, the next chord we hear in that song is the letter C. How come we're calling that the number four? We have to remember music only uses the letters A through G. So if G is our first chord, the next letter in music would be A. There's no H. So A would be the two. We're not using that in this song. The next letter after A is B. Not using that one either. So that would be the three. But the next letter after B is C. And that is the fourth letter away from G. So G, A, B, C, one, two, three, four. Okay, so we've got one is the G, one, two, three, four is the C, four, three, two, back to the one is the G, one, two, three, four, five is the D, G, A, B, C, D. Now, if that doesn't make sense, hit that rewind button and listen to it again. And that hopefully breaks down why we're numbering our chords. And this will be important later because we don't just want to play in one of the 12 keys. We want to be able to move this information laterally through all 12 keys of music. Because I personally cannot sing in the key of G very well. The notes are too high. Mr. Morrison is a little bit out of my range. So much like your student, I need to change keys. And that's one of the best things about understanding them is you can put yourself in a position to succeed as a singer by changing the key to one that is more optimally suited to your voice. Is that a good start? That's probably about the five-minute lesson there. Yeah, that so far, so okay. good. So let's talk about these chords in Brown Eyed Girl, because everybody knows them. G, C, G, D. Now, the second part of the song, there's a new chord that comes in we haven't heard yet. Let's see if our listeners can hear it. Here's the, the other part of Brown Eyed Girl. There's only two parts of the song. So here we go. Part two. It's a C chord, a D, a G. We haven't heard that one yet. And that chord is the minor chord. That's the sixth chord. G, A, B, C, D, E. One, two, three, four, five, six. And the sixth chord in a key is always minor. Very sad. Okay. It's hard to believe that that sad chord is in such a happy song. And that's another thing about learning the theory of music. It's a little contradicting. Is that a word? It's contradicting to itself because minor chords are thought to be very sad, but they can appear in happy songs. Major chords are supposed to be happy, but they can appear in sad songs. So it's very nuanced and, and it's a fun thing to peer into. And we learn so much just by studying songs. So Mojo, the next thing I'd like to do is reorganize these chords. Okay. So what I mean by that is I'm going to change the order that we hear them. So instead of starting on G, this time I'm going to start on E minor. I'm still going to use a G and a C and a D. So the information is the same, but just reorganized. Now it sounds like this. Here's my E minor, my C, my G, and my D. There's that E minor again. That song sounds nothing like Brown Eyed Girl, and yet it's using the exact same chords. Isn't that remarkable? 
Crazy how just switching it around and, and starting off with a different chord changes how the song feels. But now I'm starting to understand a little bit why you would throw a minor chord in a happy song, though. It, it does give this sense of movement. It does. That's a great way to in put In the it. song, yeah, Lots right? of movement, lots of emotional variations to fixate on. It's like a great story has challenging points, moments of revelation, it's it's part of what makes music appealing to us. And we're all different. So everyone listening has a different need from their music. Sometimes you want a song that's going to make you feel happy and jumping up and down. Other times you need something sad and it's wildly diverse from there. So I don't mean to overgeneralize. And again, this is a really basic breakdown. But one thing I would say to everyone listening, especially if you're in music lessons, is a really strong piece of advice is stay in one key. Learn as much as you can about it. Tell, ask your teacher to show you the key of G and then as many songs as you can possibly learn in that one key. Because if you if you try a bunch of different songs in the same key, it's going to make more sonic sense than if you're trying to jump around between all 12 keys and you still don't have a firm understanding of what these numerical feelings are. Or in other words, when I go from the one to the four chord, what does that feel like? Versus when I start on the six chord and go to the four chord. So what that would sound like, here's my one and then my four. So that's very uplifting. Can I often say to my students, we have to clean that sound out of your head because you're going to remember it. So here's gibberish. Okay, now we've forgotten the feeling of what I just demonstrated. Now here's the six chord to the four chord. Very different, very emotionally different. So staying in one key, especially early on in your lessons, is a great way to not only master the chord shapes so you can actually play them, but also to learn to hear those different emotions better. Well, this comes into play, Chris, because, you know, my wife took her first voice lesson on the weekend with Rocky. And what did she ask me when she came home? What's this one, two, three, four, five thing? Yes. So good. What's this one, two, three, four, five thing? And I said, well, honey, that's the key of the song. And now that's where we left it, of course. I have this to show her. And now, you know, listen to this next one, honey. This will explain it to you. But that's where it comes in, right? It's about learning the interval between the two sounds. And then you can transfer that sound to another key but the interval still that's the a same. that's a very complicated concept and you've explained it very well and if anyone is feeling any distress right now when they're listening to that i don't know what that means you're not alone none of us do don't worry it it's you just need a little bit of caffeine and a lot of patience and you will get through this stuff now it's through repeated exposure that it makes sense. I, I've never met anyone that figured it out in their first lesson. You know, don't don't think there's some little prodigy out there that it all makes sense right away. In fact, kids don't even care about this stuff. They are too busy having fun playing music to stop and think about why it works. I certainly didn't give a hoot when I was 14 years old. It's it's about in your 20s that you start to really, you know, really dive into the theory of why things work. We want to understand. And when we don't understand, it gets really frustrating fast, and we often just stop playing the instrument, which is horrible. You should be playing the songs before you try to dissect them, but let's assume you've played some songs, you've taken a few lessons, you can sing a few notes, and you're really fixated on this concept of keys. It's it's something you've got to really dive into regularly. 
you have to at some point even go so far as to memorize all 12 of the keys and understand these sort of unique letter structures that are unique to each of the keys. But the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, as you put it, Mojo, that is consistent. So the the feeling of the jump between the first note in the key and let's say the fourth note in the key will always feel the same no matter what key you're in. So think about that, listeners. That that feeling is always the same. So let's say that I can't sing Brown Eyed Girl. It's not in a key that's conducive to my vocal range. It's currently set in the original key of G, which we've already gone over, but here it is again for your listening reference. One, two, three, four, one, five. Now, because that's too high of a range for my voice, I'm going to lower it into a different key. And it doesn't really matter what key I put it in. I'm just going to lower it. So you don't need to know the letters here. But here's what a 1415 sounds like in a lower key. So listeners, do you really notice much of a difference here? I mean, obviously, it's a bit lower, but is it is it the same song? Listen. What if I sang it? Hey, where did we go? Days when the rains came. You know, 99 out of 100 people at that campfire are singing along. They don't either care or even notice that I've changed the key to E in this case, E for echo. Sounds the same. Everyone's happy. It's the same song. In fact, let's take that a step further. As vocalists age, they often can't hit the high notes. And they're very frequently, you'll hear a, a famous artist has lowered the key just like I did because they're outperforming 300 nights a year and they're not going to hit that high note they had when they were 20 years old. So there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you go to see your favorite band, they've probably changed the key. It happens all the time. A uh, favorite memory of mine was playing with Side One, Rob's band, where the lead singer Martin looked at me one night and said, You know, I went and saw Bon Jovi last night and they dropped Living on a Prayer three semitones. And I got to sing that song every single night of the week and nobody's cheering for me. And I just laughed and I said, you know, you're totally right. You are singing in the original key of G and John Bon Jovi, who's an incredible singer, made a decision at some point, you know, guys, why am I killing myself night after night? The audience isn't going to mind if we drop the key. No one's even going to notice except for Martin. He's a professional and, and he didn't, he was just joking around, but you get the idea. We can conform the key to suit our needs as a singer or Another way to look at it is if the original key is so complicated on the piano that you're using notes you're not comfortably reaching, you could change it to the key of C, which is all the white keys, make it a lot easier. And again, no one's going to really care. The music is going to hold through the same in every single key. Now, there are going to obviously be variations to that and infinite potential talks we could have about that, but let's keep it simple for now. Mojo. That would be the long explanation in the first lesson. We could peer into this infinitely, and we will in this show. But is there anything else you can think of to ask from a beginner's perspective on keys or anything that came up for you today in this in this talk? Besides changing keys so that we could sing a little easier, what else am I using keys for? Yeah, that's a great question because not everyone wants to be a singer-songwriter or improviser. Maybe somebody listening just wants to play their favorite songs better. And here, I'll put it to our listeners that way. Would you like to learn a song in one day, in one month, or in one year? 
You know, what's optimal for you? Do you want to take a full year to learn a song? Great. Don't learn anything about keys. And maybe after a year, you'll be able to play that song. But if you want to learn more efficiently, understanding keys, and as you put it, Mojo, that intervallic emotional jump between the notes gives us a tremendous advantage as students. Now, when I'm listening to a song, it's not just this vague, random series of notes and chords. It actually has some sensibility to it. Eventually, with studying keys, you'll learn to hear those jumps. And when you're listening to a song for the first time or the hundredth time, you and your mind will know exactly what's going on. It's a one to a four, then a one to a five. And that saves us so much time as musicians. So even if your goal is just to learn music faster and have a better musical grasp on what's happening, then keys are going to get you there. And if you ignore them, there's a chance you'll still be able to get there because so much popular music's based in keys. You know, so many of our favorite artists had no idea what was going on with the theory behind the keys, but they practiced their instruments a lot. So they had a general musicality to their playing that allowed them to play in keys. And that's another point I'd like to mention is just because you don't understand keys doesn't mean you're not using them all the time. That was very frustrating for me as a young metalhead when people say, you are using keys, Chris, don't you understand? No, I don't. So therefore I'm not. Well, the point is I was using them just like everyone else. Every punk band uses them, every metal band, everyone, blues, jazz. It's it's such a common topic in all genres of music. You really have to learn them at some point or else you're missing just such a valuable resource. And you know, Chris, a, a lot of times in my uh, my singing journey, I change keys while singing in the middle of a song and it doesn't always sound so great. So changing keys in the middle of songs, do songs like generally stay in one key? Yeah, if they're a popular song, they're mostly in the same key. In fact, there there was a moment in modern musical history. Let's see if I'm telling this story right. You can fact check this, listeners. But I believe that Clear Channel, the dominant radio station uh, provider, uh, early 2000s, they did a, a bunch of studies on you know, average listeners, people that bought their music at Walmart, for example, you know, just looking for a good tune, you know, they would put them in these rooms. And every time something weird in the music would happen or that they didn't like as a listener, they were prompted to hit a button. So if they were listening along and the key changed, turns out most people were confused. So they would hit the button. Turns out every time a guitar solo would come on, they would hit the button. And eventually Clear Channel recognized this beautiful format. If we just have songs that stay in a key, don't have guitar solos, and behave in a in a predictable time manner, we're going to sell more records. And I, I, in my opinion, that changed the course of modern pop music. So pretty much everything from certainly 2010 and on that is on the radio, it's very unlikely that those songs are going to change keys. But if you go back to, say, the Partridge Family or Elvis Presley, music from decades back, that is still considered a, an, a, an, a, uh, an accessible pop song, those songs were changing keys. So there is some truth to the fact that a lot of modern music has been simplified. You can argue that's a good or a bad thing. That's up to you, listeners. But modern music does not change keys if it's on the radio. Of course, in the art field of music, whether that's jazz, classical, heavy metal, where it's a little more about pushing the boundaries, yeah, key changes are happening all the time. So, you know, there are some songs where it's really obvious when the key changes and Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi is about a good, as good an example as you could possibly find. Near the end of the song, the whole band modulates up. 
to another key. And you can feel it as a listener. You Now your voice is really straining to hit those high notes. So listeners, go listen to Living on a Prayer. Bring back some of those good old 80s hair metal bands. There were a lot of key changes happening in those, in those days. So, uh, But yeah, Mojo, if you're singing along and you yourself are going out of key, you might not be aware of that. That's pretty common for musicians to drift, especially singers, and maybe they're in or out of pitch. And that can be corrected by studying keys, you know, playing along with the piano scales, guitar scales, going to your vocal lessons and giving yourself a better chance of, of staying in key as a singer. And the other side of that is perhaps the band did change keys and you need to move with them. So does that answer your question? That's, that's a pretty large topic in itself. Key changes. After today's show, I think, and I think the listeners will agree with me, we need to get you singing on the show a little more often. I'll accept that challenge because I'm horrified to do it. So if I'm going to put my money where my loud mouth is for our listeners, yes, Mojo, I will <laughs> sing through this talking mic with my un unmiked guitar happily, just so <laughs> someone out there might benefit. And at, at the very least, it's good for the odd laugh for those driving around going, I did not pay for this. <laughs> Well, hey, you know what? If people see us, and this happened at, at the uh, the gig, Chris, if people see us taking chances, then they're okay taking chances. Too. And you know what? If if anything, and we're here to lead. If anything, right? I, the demonstration of Brown Eyed Girl and moving it to a different key, that might be the single most valuable lesson I give my students, which is you don't have to stay in the original key. As you start learning your chords on a guitar or piano and you're singing along, and it just doesn't feel right to your voice, then the next step is let's try all the other keys until we optimize it. And what happens for me as a singer when I when I play in a new key, like what's a good example? Recently, I was playing a song that was originally in the key of A. Uh, it, was, it was Life by the Drop by Steve Ray Vaughan. You know, it's got this really awesome... Right away, his voice is so, it's like, hello there. Like that's out of my range. So what I've done is I've moved it much lower from A to E. Hello there, my old friend. Not so long ago, it was till the end. And because I'm comfortable, I can have more fun with the song. I can make it my own. And that's another piece of advice I give people that are singing and playing. Nobody wants you to sound exactly like Steve Ray Vaughan. That's a little weird or whoever your favorite artist is. They want you to sound like you. So if you get a chance to entertain your friends, your family, if you're out at a campfire, if you're at a barbecue, wherever you can play and entertain people, an open mic at our school, find the key that allows you to be you. So you feel more comfortable in your own skin. You're not second guessing all the high notes. It's a beautiful thing, keys. They just open up a whole world for us as guitar players and piano players. Well, that's what keys do, Chris. Keys open locks. And here is our first foray on the show into a little bit of music theory. And folks, we hope your head's not spinning around, especially if you're driving, because music theory, Chris, can do that to folks. My last question is, on Sunday, are you going to come into my lesson and help me teach what a key is to my student? Uh, probably not. That's probably, a, that's probably a bridge I'm going to have to cross on my you own. You got this. And Mojo and our listeners, 
We're going to post a few resources on the show notes, one of which is a list of all 12 keys. You can read it from left to right. So the key of C will be listed first, and you can see what seven chords are in the key of C. Underneath that will be the key of G, left to right, G, A minor, B minor. Take a look at the document. And the other resources that we're going to, the other resource we'll put in there is a list of very famous songs, mostly acoustic guitar songs, but everyone will benefit from looking at this. You'll see the name of the song. And then right beside the name of the song, you'll see the artist and then the key the song was in. I've even listed the chords for the most most of the charts, probably a few blanks on here somewhere and a bit about other information. But that uh, that will do it for today. And listeners, I really, really hope you got something out of that. I hope you feel a little more confident with the questions you need to bring up in your personal lessons. And Mojo, I agree, we should do more of these. It's a lot of fun to break down what happens in a lesson. And you and I have done it a million times together. I'm pretty comfortable with your questioning. Thanks for taking a gamble with me today. And I I know you're going to crush it in your lesson. And I guess, yeah, what? Do you have a minute or do you have the rest of your life? That's the show. Thank you so much for being here. May you fall in love with music more and more every day. Girls, take us out of here. Don't forget to like, subscribe. And share. It will really help my daddy and Uncle Mojo.